Today on the Star Parent Podcast, Anne Celeste and Lorraine Campbell are going to be talking about technology and how to set up a healthy environment for your children to enjoy technology and also being mindful of overstimulation. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to the Star Parent Podcast. Today we have a really interesting conversation with Lorraine Campbell. Hi, Lorraine. Hey, how you doing? Good. Was wanting to, in our theme of creating the environment for children, um, ask your opinion, pick your brain about technology. Because it's something that I have seen a lot professionally, and I'm sure you have too, parents coming and asking you questions about how do I kid my how do I get my little one off the screen? What's the right amount of screen time? Mm-hmm. And like Oh, I struggled with this so much as my oldest, uh, Theodore, mm. I was growing up. Um, I wasn't actually very mindful about how much technology he was exposed to when, because I had him at 15, I wasn't really paying attention. And I also used the television a lot as kind of like a pseudo babysitter, especially when I was cooking or taking a shower or just wanting me time. I mean, by the time Theodore was three years old, I'm not even joking he could recite the entire Lion King movie. Like from <laughs> all the songs, all everything. It's just because he watched it that much. <laughs> and, and a lot of it was because, you know, mom sleeping in on Saturday mornings or, you know, after school, like just so tired, let's just put it on. And it was like his go-to movie. And I think it, was in, it wasn't until later on when he was about 12 years old when, I noticed that there was a problem where, you know, it'd be a bright, sunny day. Everything was amazing outdoors and he's inside watching movies. And I'm like, Mm. what's going on? Um, So that's when I started realizing there was an issue and it wasn't necessarily his issue. It was my issue. It was. um, So now with Sparrow, I have a different outlook coming from a parent's perspective and from an early childhood educator's perspective. So I'll probably speak about both sides of me coming into this topic. But, yeah, and I think the, both sides are so important because we yeah. don't want our audience to feel shame around, yeah. you know, this is how we were raised, right? Um, yeah. Or some some of us, right? And it, it um, we didn't know the research that we know now. Mm-hmm. And screens were also different when they were a television versus an iPad, an iPhone, yeah. um, a tablet, you know, there's um, a different, um, you know, TV is a bit more passive in the background, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, versus like a screen that glows and you can see like, you know, even an infant will turn their head and, <laughs> Um, yeah, and I wanted your perspective on both the early childhood educator and the parent. Parenting experience is really real. Yeah, it is because there's there's no there's nobody else. It's, there's no teacher. There's no educator. There's no. It's just you and your child, and whatever decision you make, then and there, it's going to be the best for your child. Like that's and that's exactly where where we want to get to is knowing what the best choice is in those heated oh, moments i think i lost you i'm i can hear you mm. i can hear you oh you can hear me okay you, i can hear you i lost you for a second um yeah so yeah i did some research because you you had been talking about um 
another person you had interviewed saying that there there's like guidelines online for um, how much screen time yeah. there should be oh, at, yeah. diff- at different developmental ages. And I thought absolutely that it'd be interesting for our audience to hear without, mm-hmm. you know, again, this isn't about shaming anyone or, but to, but to get a sense of what is, you know, based on the research is from the Canadian pediatric society so it says for children under the age of two, no screen time or screen time is not recommended is how they say it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then for children who are between two and five years old, I'm limited in screen time, which is um, like one hour a day. Mm-hmm. And then for children who are older than five to limit screen time to about two hours a day. Right. So that gives a sense of, you know, when they're under two, like if you can be playing music or records or you know more interactive toys you know and I know I worked with parents when one of them had the flu and they were out and just like okay here's when we pull in the big guns you know and like Mm -hmm. they put on you know a Disney movie because they both had a fever and they you know they needed that that babysitter or you know when someone goes on a travel trip for the first time with like an 18 month old and it's like okay this might help them be less fussy but those are guidelines they're not rules to to stress your life by you know no exactly they're they're guidelines and they're there put in place for reason just like the canadian food guide or any type of guide and most pediatricians doctors tell the new parents this i remember i remember them telling us this when we were in the hospital you know so yeah so zero to six months obviously no free time but you know there's those times during covid when the only time you could interact with some of family members is through the screen. So I know there's exceptions right. for like WhatsApp yes. and Zoom and all that stuff for, for trying to communicate with family members. But ideally, under two, no screen time because it's not necessarily developmentally needed because right. there's so many things happening during this two-year phase. Mm-hmm. And the screen is not necessarily something that is, as of a priority, like there's their language development and their fine motor skills and, you know, their social emotional skills and, you know, their creativity. All these things are are best developed in an environment where that's not there's nothing that's stimulating them um, electronically. It, it's I, that's from coming from our early childhood education perspective, because I don't even right. have screens at my daycare and. Um, it's just for that reason, because I want the child to be able to feel that, that level of, I don't know what to do mm-hmm. and I'm going to find what to do within me mm-hmm. versus being stimulated outside of me. Now for the child that's over five, again, that's a parental choice, mm-hmm. how much screen time you want to give, um, two hours a day. It seems like a lot, but I think you can break those down into like, right. you know, 30 minutes here in the morning before school or, or during a, a lunchtime break or something like that. Like just chalk it up. Or I've even heard some parents allow their children, and this is a really great math concept building, is uh, being allowed to save their time for the weekend. Mm. So I didn't use my two hours today. Can I use it on Saturday? And then they're able to accumulate their time and maybe mom and dad might have a nice little sleep in a Saturday morning and allow their children to have that extra screen time until they get up around 11, you know? And I wonder if screen time includes like video games, right? Or computer games. It does, does, does. right? So it's like, you know, even instead of like 
two hours of TV a day sounds like a lot for a five or six year old, you know, but if it's like, yeah, like a math computer, I mean, I did a lot of video computer games, like educational Mm -hmm. games when I was seven, eight, nine. And for that to be half hour here, you know, half hour there. And then, you know, but it's interesting how and when we, when we fit it into our routine. And I think what's really important for parents is to be intentional with it and to see what works and what doesn't work, you know, cause yeah, half an hour in the morning for some families can work really well. And for other families, I've heard parents be like, I can't get them away from the TV. Yeah, they have a meltdown. meltdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't want to get dressed and it's, um, it's, it doesn't work for them in the morning. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I love, like Megan and I were talking about setting up an environment for, for play and this is where I love drawing in the morning. Drawing in the morning is it's the equivalent to adult journaling. So if you can encourage your child to draw mm-hmm. in the mornings before breakfast, after breakfast, before school, you know, between that transition of getting ready, this is a really great way to put their emotions down on paper. And it's something for you to look at as they go, what were they drawing? What were they trying to express? What colors did they use? What paper yeah. did they use? These types of things really share a lot about how your child is feeling in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I have one family and they like one child has to bike every single morning before school, get a little bit of homework done and get some biking done. And it sets up their whole day because they, you know, maybe have ADHD or, you know, unused energy. And it's like that first morning exercise and a bit of that work but then they can have all this playtime and they're much better. So every family needs to be gentle with themselves and say, what works for us? How do we create it for us? Because I'm sure there are families where everyone's a bit half asleep in the morning and, and, you know, plopping the kids in front of the TV while the parents run around works great for them. And Mm -hmm. there's no judgment for that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so different with each child because you might have a child that does need that little bit of screen time in the morning. And then the child that needs to be outside running around before the bus comes up so it's very challenging for your for the child for the parents actually to to know uh without without making that necessarily mistakes but it's trial kind of trial and error you know having that space for them to to jump around and one of my um I, I have a small group for my church that I have every Thursday night and one of my um IPS people that I work with they shared with us this big pillow that they purchased at Costco which is basically the, about the size of a floor carpet that, you know, their children can bounce off of and stuff. And I just thought that was so cool to have in your living room just to get out that, that energy, you know? Yeah. Um, one of the things were, came up for me when you told me that you wanted to talk about technology. And I was trying to find, you know, especially for children, seven, nine, eight, ten, 10, going into that where you're using, where they're using technology to gather information. Mm. Cause this is where we come into this little tricky s- space where you want to encourage your child to seek information, but you also want to encourage them to use less screen time. So I don't know how you thought, have you, if you've thought about that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it's um, it's got to be a challenge for parents because schools are saying, go look this up on the internet and go do research here and go do research there. I mean, and to say, okay, go to the library and look. The, even the library is, has screens, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and we have to be realistic because when we get older and have jobs, there's screens involved with with that world as well. You know, I think it's all about how we set up the environment. So to say, okay, this is a work computer. This is where we do, this is how you do research. And this is how you find information. And it's a tool and give yourself a break from not just the screen, but that kind of work, you know, mm-hmm. when you're, when you're doing intense um, intellectual work, you should do maybe half hour, then close your eyes, walk around, let new ideas inspire you. Um, so setting up that environment, I think also one of the challenges that parents have, and you can, you know, correct me if I'm wrong or give me your feedback is there's so much extra supervision and like guidance that needs to happen around technology. (laughs) Cause it's not just like, go look this up on the internet or go play this game or go watch this movie kind of want to have watched the movie first you kind of want to know the websites they're checking out you want to know the songs that are that are being sung and all it's so true like even after because i know myself like i've I've binge watched the series before many series actually and then afterwards my mind will be playing out the things that i've just seen or some of the things that i've just heard and i wonder i often wonder um with about some the parents you know how we we follow up with what our child has just seen or viewed or even commercials sometimes give out a lot of information that might be difficult for a child to process <laughs> and so it's like what what do we do afterwards like having those conversations especially around a meal mm-hmm. you know what did, what did you watch today what was your screen time about or, or or finding out what that child is doing in school and what are you researching this week mm-hmm. so that way uh, you know everybody's on board and you can kind of tap into what your child's been exposed to another thing I find handy is those um you know those like google homes and the alexis whatever thing Mm -hmm. asking them for information is actually quite a good way to get Mm. to get research done and uh, and limiting the screen time because you're using your the uh, the auditory yeah your voice and you're listening and you're taking that information because uh there's there are some apps actually a lot of apps that are designed for children um, that don't actually have the education of the educational background to design for children like there's so many apps out there designed for children but are not made for children if that makes sense or made for people who understand the development of a child they're not educational they're not well they could be educational but they're not they're not designed for how a child is developed like they usually lose like yeah they usually like a, the dopamine mm-hmm. fix the addiction like they, they and it creates that dependency you know like um that what's that popular game candy crush people say they get so addicted to that stuff right because of the dopamine that yeah. gets released when you hear that blinging noise or so it, parents have to be <laughs> really careful yeah it's like very a careful yeah it is it is it's like really careful of what they're using and a lot of times people think oh oh it's it's for children it's got cartoons and it's got the nice voices and it's like no just do that extra work to find out yeah 
And it's not because, you know, it's a good or, or a bad parenting move, but it's also, I know parents like they say, it's so, I'm so exhausted to put limits or it's such a battle. And it's like, if you know the technology you're exposing your children to, you'll save yourself labor on the other end, yeah. you know, because when, yeah, there are certain games that are very addictive. And I mean, mm-hmm. I have worked with children of multiple ages and parents look at me and saying, it's like they have an addiction to a drug, you know, and they'll slap me if I try to take away their console. Like it gets really intense. Wow. Time. Yeah, no, I've heard some real. And can you can you ever really blame like a nine year old for losing control like that? Like, OK, what has been created in this? Yeah. Dopamine dysregulation. You know, I've heard of children like having um, secondary increases, like having accidents because they're so wrapped up in their video game, they don't go to the bathroom. So mm. it's really not about, you know, this is a good parent, this is a bad parent. It's like parents in general are up against some pretty big challenges nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was younger, it was things like Reader Rabbit and Writer Rabbit and Math Blaster and like, mm-hmm. you know, these games that really did teach you, like, it was a great way to practice your skills. And it was this big old computer honka thing with a different screen energy and it was designed differently. And then you were done, you were done. But now it's, um, you know, there's a lot of corporate manipulation that happens mm-hmm. and how can parents set themselves up? So they say, okay, if you're, if you're going to start playing games in this way, like here, here's the boundaries yeah. around it. Here's like, you know, um, and here's the warning signs. Watch out for, yeah, make sure you've gone to the bathroom and you've done your homework and you've brushed your teeth. And and as soon yeah. as you start seeing them disconnect from their body, say, okay, whew, we got to come back. You know, this can be a great way to socialize and connect with other people online and to build up confidence in your skills, but you don't want to disconnect from reality. Yeah, it sounds like you're talking about moderation, like how teaching, how do we teach our children moderation when it comes to using the use of technology? Do we give them that discernment on their own or do we create a model for them to stick to Mm -hmm. as a family and that will carry them into their teens so that they can manage themselves? Because as you know, like as we get older, you're exposed to more things. And for me, technology in teens often will lead to porn. And that's something that, um, parents need to talk to their children about yes. uh, from a very, very young age. We had talked about that in another episode mm-hmm. uh, regarding, um, you know, how do we talk about sex with our children? And I think this, this is, this relates um, yeah. also like healthy, healthy eating, unhealthy eating, you know, for watching if a children, if a child is allowed to watch six to seven hours of have six to seven hours of screen time a day, that could be, you know, two hours of homework on the screen two hours of watching videos or movies and then another, you know, two or three hours playing video games. It adds up. Yeah. So uh, for not getting the proper amount of exercise in and they're, you know, having high carb, high fat, fatty snacks, you know, this is something to also tune your child into. How do you feel? How does your body feel today after everything that happened yesterday or monitor your child's moods when you see, high increase of screen time and low increase of, of exercise, monitor their screen. And you know what? For me, this is just the way I was, I don't know, this, I say that this is the way I was raised. That's a default expression. But 
I think as a parent, it's okay to say no. Yes. Screen time is shut off today. There's no screen time today. We are, it's outdoors. These are the options, but Mm -hmm. screens are not an option. I think as parents, we have that right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have said to parents, like, get a safe and lock up your modem. (laughs) Like, and it's not a conversation. It's not something that can be debated. It's like, you know, we need fasting, right? But you said something really interesting about setting up these models, but modeling also plays a pretty big important um a pretty big role in terms of how we set up an environment, right? Yes. Because, you know, as adults, we also have an issue with addiction. Yeah. To screens. Like if, exactly. Like if you're telling your child, you know, two hours of screen time and then they're going to bed at nine and you're up till two o'clock in the morning binge watching on your Netflix. phone. Yeah. On yeah, your phone right. or whatever. That's adding to it as well. Yeah. It sets, it sets, you know, and I've, and I have seen, we didn't have phones this way when we were children, right? Our parents weren't constantly looking down at a device. Like they would be on the physical phone, mm-hmm. you know, talking to whoever and shushing us, which mm-hmm. was, which made us have to go and find a book or do something to, to play with. But yeah, how, how babies and infants and children now are used to adults interacting with this little screen all the time. It has an impact, right? I mean, you know, when I come over and visit you in Sparrow, I usually put my phone down somewhere, right? And then try mm. to forget about it unless I have to check something real quick or yeah. I want to take a cute photo. Because if I'm on it, he it breaks my play with him, you know? It does. And when yeah. I worked in a nursery, um, you know, we were, we were a nursery for teenage mothers who had a school on site. So there was like a high school so they could finish their high school diplomas mm-hmm. and we yeah. were the nursery attached. Yeah. And the rule for them was there was a basket and they had to put their phone in the basket before they came into the nursery and played with their baby or fed their baby or nursed their baby. Mm. So that we were teaching them like, you know, it's okay to be on your phone when you're not in class, when you're outside having, you know, a chat with your friends. But when you're with your babies, like... There'll be moments in the day you, you will be on your phone, but yeah. here in the nursery, we want to model to you, to model to your children. You put it away. You're, you're looking at them. You're having mirror neurons exchanged between you and the little one, as opposed to they're looking at you and you're looking at your phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's something that you can put in place with your family, like put your phones in the basket before, before dinner. No, yeah. yeah, no phones at the table, you know, no phones. No phones during a family discussion. No phones after seven o'clock. And yeah. allow that, you know, two hours before bed, no screens so that everybody kind of just, because if you're doing screen time, let's just say half an hour before your children go to sleep, don't expect them to fall asleep right away peacefully because they've just been stimulated. And it takes about 40 to 60 minutes of no screen time for your body to relax. Yeah. So it's yeah. You just said all of the things that the the Canadian Pediatric Society also okay. recommends. It says okay. be a good role model with your own screen time. Turn off screens during meal times. Um, avoid using screens an hour before bedtime. Right. <laughs> so all of those things are are what we're learning. It's like it's like um 
technology hygiene, right? Or good sleep hygiene. Mm -hmm. And then you're using it intentionally. And the other two things that they had, which I liked, was like turn off screens or TV in the background when no one is watching. Yes. Right? Or choose activities such as playing outdoors, reading, or crafting over screens. And I find that... That last one really interesting but it is sometimes at the cost of the labor of the parent. And I want to validate that for parents out there because it's like, yes, if you pull out a game of Uno or Twister or, you know, those, I guess, older games, like whatever, Mm -hmm. like family you want to, you want to craft or paint with your child, you have to kind of stop what you're doing and do that activity with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can cook a bit while they're doing it, but uh, I'll say with Sparrow, often I'll set up different activities around the room where I know he can kind of just graze around and then I'll get a little bit of like food prep and stuff. But like if we're doing the memory game, I have to sit down with him. Like mm-hmm. I, it's hands on. If we're doing beating, I have to sit down with them. There's small parts. Like, and sometimes I'm not in the mood for that. So I always, not always, but I try to check my own mood and what I'm, what I'm, what I'm up for. What can I, what can I deal with right now? What can I, what am I in the, what am I in the mood for? Yeah. Sometimes I'll just put a pail of water and let him play with water. And as long as I just add a little bit of warm water every, you know, 20 minutes or so, he's good. Like he's good and put some towels on the ground. It depends what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But I think parents can give it a shot. Like, I think sometimes we get, we put in these really high expectations of what the experience is going to be like. Like I've seen some parents get a bunch of paint and paper and we're going to do this and they want their children to blend colors. And it's like all their child wants to do is open and close the cap. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so it's like, just let them do that. And it's, it's okay. Sometimes it's just like, put your low, lower your expectations about what your planned activities should be like and just set yourself up to kind of have fun Mm. and engage with with your child and then also too it's totally okay for your child to be bored it's totally okay for them just to be lying on the ground lying at the ceiling and looking at the ceiling Mm -hmm. doing nothing yes yes it's very important for the brain to just I don't know what to do well Maybe you need to make up a game. Like, that's where the imagination comes in, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, listen to a story. Like, you know, okay, let them figure out how to problem solve what to do when you're bored, right? That's very important. Also, I loved what you're saying about manage your expectations. Um, I did some training in play therapy. And it's very interesting how much adults want to guide (laughs) play, and it's really cool and special when you can take your child's lead yeah. on the game that they want to play. Yes. In, and sometimes it's going to feel boring. You're not going to want to do it. You, or you can parallel play, right? Yes. They're playing with their Play-Doh. You're playing with your Play-Doh, mm-hmm. you know, and doing your own things. But sometimes it's really special to just get into their world and, you know, they they'll make they'll make up the play and you just have to kind of uh, faithfully render whatever they ask you to do you know mm-hmm. i want you to be this character okay let's see where this goes and you don't have to overthink 
and worry too much about how to organize it. Like children often want to create stories and create games and to, and to be the leader. They're practicing a very important skill when they do that. Mm-hmm. So we don't always have to, you know, know what to guide them in every moment of the day. Sometimes we mm-hmm. can also be the follower. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that came to my mind when, when I was thinking about this topic too, just because it was something that I didn't necessarily have the issue with theater when he was a teen, but I know a lot of parents are struggling with that now. And that's cell phones. Mm-hmm. You know, when does your child or when should your child or when is a good age for your child to have a cell phone or a cell phone at all? I know there's some parents that argue, oh, my child doesn't need a cell phone. <laughs> there's pay phones. Yeah, <laughs> I put 50 cents right. in their backpack, you know? And, yeah. But I also know that some parents use their child's cell phone as a tracking device. And, and safety. To, safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, what are your thoughts? This is very interesting. I certainly think um, b- below 10 or 12 is really um, early. And that is just my feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not based on research. It's just, um, it's hard. It's, you know, once they're becoming teens, um, yeah, I, I wish we had like dumb phones still, you know, like they can just text and call, you know, mm-hmm. they don't need all of the bells and whistles. Yeah. Um, because once you start getting like an Instagram account, a Facebook account or what Snapchat but, and TikTok, it's like, whoa, it's, it, yes, it's very scary. It's a huge world. Also though, it's, it's challenging because if you don't allow your child to have access to something that all of their peers do, they can feel quite alienated. Um, and you know like um different and that's painful for children right and for Mm -hmm. adolescents to feel like well all of my friends have access but I don't you know I mean my ideal would be to have like a phone that doesn't do anything but texting and phoning and then to have like a family iPad that has those other apps that can be more you know and I've been, I've consulted with families where the teen is like, my parents want to see my Instagram account. I'm like, okay, do you have anything to hide? Well, there's some swearing on there. It's like, okay, is there anything like, provo- and you know, it's like a 15, 16 year old. It's like, your parents know what nudity is. They know what swearing is. They know what drugs are. Like maybe, maybe talking about it is better than the stigma around it, mm-hmm. you know? And actually like the, and I was like, can we do it in a therapy session together where you grab your phone and you, sh- you show your interest? You know, I'm like, it's probably way less scary what you have on there than what your parents imagine. Mm-hmm. And then the conversation of a stranger ever writes to you and wants to meet up in person, that's a red flag. You know, don't ever post pictures of yourself. Like, you know, I teach that in uh, healthy relationships, you know, like mm-hmm. once there's a picture of you out there, you can never get it back, you know. Um, and because it's they're going to have access to those things at that age. It's better for parents to be able to have conversations. And if parents are going to be too controlling, child's going, the teenager's going to find other means of getting there yep. and it's going to be much less safe. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, before, and I think it should be increasing, right? You can, when you're out with your, as soon as you're ready to let your teenager to go out with friends without you, that's when you might want to consider like if they're mature enough to get dropped off somewhere and picked up somewhere, take the bus, probably mature enough to have a device to communicate for safety. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think though, 
it needs to be prepared for and um, eased into. So one big thing I've seen with parents is they will give a teen or even a younger child a cell phone and then they'll try to um, set limits around it. Mm-hmm. And I think the a strategy that might work better for people is to, okay, there's a family phone that you get access to for 20 minutes here and for 20 minutes. Okay. Now it goes back into the family safe mm, or basket. So it's not theirs. It's not yeah. all the time. And then, cause once you give it, it's impossible to get it back, you mm-hmm. know, but if you ease it into it, that could work. I had a friend um, who's um, the grandmother of her son gave him an iPhone at five years old for Christmas and she woke up from, or Hanukkah went downstairs and her son was like look what I got as a present and mom was horrified and was like I'm gonna be now the bad guy who's to take away mm-hmm. this gift certainly to any of our audience out there never give somebody else's child or teenager with a cell phone that has to come from the parents like mm-hmm that hierarchy, you know, um, because they're the ones who are going to have to deal with the manage the repercussions of setting limits and boundaries and moderation yeah. around it. I think it's the same thing with video games too. Like check in with parents. If you're planning on giving a, a game as a gift, mm-hmm. check in with the parent first. Yes. I think that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. And, and don't just give it right. Give it with, okay, I'm going to play with you a little bit, you know, like we're going to do this together and make it special rewards for these moments as opposed to it's gone out into the ether and they have to regulate it themselves. It's hard to regulate. It's hard yeah. for us as adults to regulate. It's even yeah. harder for children. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. My ex used to put his daughter to bed with his, with her iPad. And I used to be like, why are you doing that? She's not going to sleep. And like one o'clock in the morning, we'd be hearing the music going on. And then he'd go through the history the next day and realize, oh my gosh, she was watching this. She was watching this. <laughs> It's like, yeah, if you just give it to them and know there's no limits or boundaries, they're, they're going to keep going. And especially because she's autistic, she, I think sometimes she gets stuck in a loop mm-hmm. where she's watching the Hyper-focusing. same video. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, yeah, we just definitely putting boundaries and making it. I love when you said making it a family phone, mm-hmm. like making it a family iPad. You can use a family iPad for 12, 20 minutes, but now we're going to bring it back. Yep. And this way creates that, like, they have, it's not theirs, but yet they're still using it, so. And kind of like we I do that. at libraries or yeah. schools or even nurseries, yeah. right? You check something out and then you return yeah. it. Yeah, I like That's, that uh, you know, and also the phone in the basket. I mean, I, as an adult, you know, who is on my phone more than I'd like to, I try to put it on airplane mode for a few hours every day um, so that, it's off. It's not in my hand, yeah. you know, yeah. um, taking, taking a break. And yeah, I mean, TikTok's a one you have to really be careful with because, you know, and I think parents too have to talk about their comfort with images of their children out on the internet. Yeah. That's another thing too. You Knowing know. that different platforms that your child is on, what they're exposed to. It's challenging. Mm-hmm. It really is challenging. This is where the communication is so key so key because it can eliminate so many misunderstandings yeah um, when you have these conversations with your children it's funny because people keep on saying technology is bringing us apart but actually technology is giving us all the reason to be more connected (laughs) 
Um, it, we, and that's one way of looking at it. Absolutely. And it's kind of like we've said in our other episodes, like as parents, you get to create your own environment. You get to, to develop your own narrative. So you choose your own adventure, you know what I mean? Like, and, and as opposed to having it run your life, you choose the ways in which you want to have control over it, you know, and, and limits and, and, stories right oh it's a beautiful sunny day all of our screens are off you know um that's my sister's narrative with her children if it's nice out then screens are off you know because we don't get always nice days and oh it's a rainy day well that's a day we can dip into a little bit more our technological side so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely and just being mindful too of how your body feels and talking about that with your children you know oh my god we spent all day yesterday watching videos how do you feel today you feel like you just want to move I need to move you know just saying what your body your body needs how's your eyes how's your head Mm -hmm. yeah exactly how are your thoughts how are your thoughts how are your feelings yes yeah I think that that's a really that's a really good feeling and body scan after a movie, after a video game and getting children more tuned in. And as adults too. Yeah. I watch, I binge watched that show. How did that make me feel? Yes. What kind of content is now in my subconscious psyche? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I watched a couple episodes of shameless last night and I kept on saying all throughout the episode, I should not be watching this. This is garbage for my brain, but it's so good. It's garbage for my brain, but it's so good. (laughs) Now for adults, I do think sometimes really trashy garbage TV. (laughs) If your intention is I'm going to go there to dump my brain cells that I don't want to use anymore. I've been on working and managing and I just need to go to a place where I kind of burn off the excess if that's your intention shows like that are not so bad yeah you know once in a while um that's why like those guilty pleasures actually I think there's probably a good purpose into just okay you know I don't want to focus on we're in a society where we feel like we'd be productive all of the time mm-hmm. sometimes we have to be unproductive you know yeah. and bored yeah. But yeah, technology doesn't always let us be bored. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lorraine, so great talking to you today yes. about this. Um, and listeners, you know, we would love to hear from you about what have been some of your challenges with um, introducing technology to your environment and what have some of been some of your successes? You know, what has worked for you or what are strategies you have found that you'd like to share? So please feel free to reach out to us. Um, you can always find our podcast on various platforms including spotify and we have an instagram account and you can message us there um we'll probably have some of the information posted about this recording like that information from the pediatric society we'll make sure to have a post this week about that um so you can follow us there at the star parent podcast thank you so much for joining in today thank you thank you so much bye-bye bye Thank you for listening to this episode about setting up an environment for healthy technology use in your household. Such a challenging balance to come across, especially when we're living such busy lifestyles, trying to get back and survive from COVID. 
So I wish you well and thank you for listening. Please find us and support us on Instagram and find us at the Star Parent Podcast. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.